Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 158. And around our table in Studio C at MotorWeek World Headquarters today is writer-producer Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Our road test producer, Ben Davis. Dude! Our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Uh, yes. And our writer extraordinaire, Garrick Zykin. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Glad you could make it upstairs. <laughs> we have a lightning round of viewer questions. A little rant and rave section. We'll see. You know, I, I don't, Garrick, you've never contributed to rant and raves yet. Have no, you got a rant and rave? I can't. We're all here. You can't yeah. talk about oh, yeah. it to our face. I like driving. I like all the cars you let me drive. So uh, nothing to rant about. Uh, I would, it's uh, supposed to be about other people. Coming. Other people. Okay, it's coming driving in the left lane if you're not at least save doing. It. Save it. Save okay. it. All right. So uh, we'll get it. we got him thinking. All right, we have um, cars that we're going to talk about. We've got um, the, a couple of cars that we recently tested during our winter testing stint down in G- Georgia and a couple of other vehicles uh, that we've seen at uh, launches recently. Let's start with the 2017 Dodge Viper Voodoo 2, the last, supposedly, again, of the Viper lineup. Farewell. This is the ACR, but this is the Voodoo version of it. Comments? Beast? Hate to see it go? What? Uh, the Voodoo 2 edition is basically just a blacked out uh, version of the ACR with every ACR option added onto it. airfoil and, and ground uh, effects. Yeah, it's, it's incredible on track. The Vipers finally turned itself into an amazing uh, track car that can get by as a street car if it needs to. I really hope that there is a plan to bring it back again even though it probably won't be nearly the same car that it is now you know that's become almost an icon i mean they they basically have set themselves up it took corvette decades to do what they did with the viper as far as make it popular and have that growing fan base (laughs) greg you drove the car a lot i did and uh it's it's surely amazing i mean it's similar to the acr we had last year uh I think I do prefer the ACR we had last year, just solely for the color. We had a red with black stripes. This one was blacked out. It didn't look that great in my opinion. But it, I mean, it's an animal on the track. It's really, really intimidating. Probably the most intimidating car I've ever driven. It's like we've talked about before. It has that fear wall with such, it's such a high downforce car that you have to go faster to get more performance out of it, which is hard to do. I don't know if I ever quite got I was to that say, level. Did you break through it? No, absolutely yeah. not. Um, I had a hard enough time uh, getting into the right gear, honestly, which Robinson <laughs> made a good comment to me. It was like, basically, just go forward and backwards, and it'll put you in the right gear. I still wasn't quite comfortable doing that because it's a super, super tight shifter. Right. Uh, but that was my main problem with it. Other than that, it's an incredible car. Mm. You know, it's going to be one of the last V10 cars ever. Yeah, and is there anything special that we're going to miss? I mean, ten is not your you know normal you know group of four number that uh, everybody thinks about in powertrains. Certainly, that's a pushrod car, right? Certainly, yeah, yeah. yeah. pushrod. Push yeah, because yeah. yeah. we'll still have uh, we'll still have uh, Lamborghinis, Lamborghinis to several. Well, at least for a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, was there anything – did you ever notice anything particularly special besides the sound, which sometimes was great and sometimes it wasn't? Yeah, it was a like it or love it. It was yeah. a love it or hate it kind of sound. I 
I personally didn't love the sound coming out of that V10. Um, I don't know. Torque wise, just, just feels like a, a stronger V8 or what? That's a good question. To well, I don't know. In a lot of ways, uh, in a lot of ways, I'm an eight cylinder pushrod kind of guy over mm-hmm. a pushrod ten. Not to take anything away from Viper, I'll surely miss it if it if it if it leaves. But um, I don't know. There was just something about that ten that never really struck a good chord with me. But I'm sure somebody's got a more positive experience with it. No, I mean, I think the ten cylinder is not what made the Viper special. Just the overall feel made uh, it unique. Yeah, but that's about it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty quick off the line, though. Oh, do we get it's a high threes or low threes to sixty? Right, yeah, year. it was like a low threes. Low yeah, threes. Yeah. I mean, that's Beast. quick. The yeah. car was e- easier to to hook up than most of the past Vipers we've had. Uh, well, when recall. they added launch control uh, with yeah. this gen, it uh, it helped out a lot. It's still did, a crazy, insane experience, though. Yeah. Did you enjoy driving it? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It is. I mean, we also but, had the Camaro ZL1 there. Would you say? Totally different driving experience. Uh, any any comparisons? Well, I would say the Z01. You you drive it for three or four laps, and you're pretty comfortable in it. And then you really start pushing. Um, the Viper, you can drive for four days, and you're still not comfortable with it. But you just keep pushing, <laughs> trying it's to still find fun. right. You try to find where that limit is, and you you never get to it. You just keep pushing, and but you never feel comfortable at least i never do mm-hmm. they're still insane <laughs> agreed here with a car with that much downforce if you lose it it's all over dude <laughs> that's kind of in the back of your mind i think we need to do like a moment of silence for the viper until it eventually comes back maybe as a terminator edition when when's well, like 30 years you know who knows they, the rumors were rampant that it was going to come back uh, based on an alpha chassis but i i don't know if that's going to happen of course nobody does i don't think i'd mind to see it come back more of a gt mm-hmm. high performance daily driver car instead of such a insane Beast. vehicle like that mm-hmm. that you know you can only really get close to its limits on our track with another car that we had at Roebling and one we actually talked about briefly on our uh, the podcast before this the Nissan GTR track edition Brian Robinson bring hey. us up to date on how this is different changed how it's evolved I mean it's still basically the speaking of beast we use that word with that with the GTR a lot yeah the uh, if you remember I don't know if it was four or five years ago they had a track edition version um just like a one-year deal uh similar to that it's the nismo suspension breaks all the nismo upgrades uh without the engine upgrade that comes with the nismo so basically just a better handling uh gtr um but it gets pretty updated uh for 17 uh system-wide all over the car the exterior gets updated interior uh big transformation of the interior a lot more a lot less uh, switch gear, bigger screen for uh, uh, infotainment, and a uh, little more horsepower, but that's mainly to compensate for a bunch of uh, additional sound deadening, stuff like that. They tried to kind of tame it down a little bit. Um, every other supercar out there or exotic is like daily driver in its simplicity and comfort. Uh, GTR has never been like that, so... Where do you put the It's taking GTR. a step in that direction. Yeah. Oh, it's just noisy. There's all yeah. kind of unique noises. Click, smells like gas. Yeah. It oh, gets yeah. hot it in does. there. That all, yeah, yes. all those things that, that we said about the first GTR as far as this 
I did say gas. You do say the 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 term Frankenstein. (laughs) That's a good clarification, actually. Yeah, uh, it's it's like part American muscle car, part Italian exotic, and part Asian economy car. All kind of I've heard that before. Kind of stitched together, and uh, yeah, it's it's so fun. So let me ask the same question about that. Was it a fun experience? I mean, this car has obviously been evolving. Although I wouldn't say it's evolved as much as the Viper has over in price. It has. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely kept up with the times, and maybe even ahead. So of like them. twice as twice what the ZL1 was, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, in price. Uh, well, like on track, I mean, it's just amazing amount of grips and mm-hmm. all-wheel drive, and uh, as low as it is, <clears throat> it's it's easy to get comfortable uh, in there. It's almost similar to the NSX, uh, you know, feel to it. Uh, I think just flat gets around corners. Mm-hmm. You wonder if they if this is it or if they are they ever going to do a, a completely redesign on the car from the ground up. I suppose if they did, it could lose all its character. I, I bet it would be awesome. The, They've yeah. had so long to to come up with a new yeah. one once they finally do. I mean, most it's people don't even realize it's awesome. still available. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, two very rough-around-the-edges cars that were an awful lot of fun to spend four days at a racetrack with. Uh, switching gears completely, 2017 Jeep Compass. In case you've uh, completely uh, been in a hole somewhere, the original Compass, which was out for 10 years and was sold alongside the Patriot, and it was basically just a um, redone hat Dodge hatchback with, with all-wheel drive. Uh, it turned out to be, uh, even though most of the press didn't like it, a very popular car with the public. Now it's been redone. It's now based on uh, the same chassis as uh, the, the uh, Jeep Renegade and uh, Fiat uh, 500, L500L. Okay, Greg, you drove it. Better Jeep Compass. This is another of their world efforts to spread the Jeep gospel around the world. What would you think? Absolutely a better Jeep Compass uh, compared to the last one, but... Honestly, that's not that hard. I was going to say, is that a big improvement or it's, not? I mean, no, because I just the, the previous Compass didn't really do it for anybody. Um, but no, if you're a fan of the Grand Cherokee and you want something a little bit smaller or cheaper, you're in luck because this thing is basically a miniature Grand Cherokee. Exterior, interior, they, I mean, Jeep didn't mince words they said we looked at the grand cherokee and we used it as inspiration rather the than compass. the cherokee right yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. and so it's squarish and people have asked you know what's is it going to take away from the cherokee and that remains to be seen it is definitely smaller than the cherokee i mean it's a it's a small car um, but it looks good, and it, it is more trail-ready now. They have a Trailhawk version, which, uh, which is available. The original uh, Compass and Patriot, they were not trail-rated at all, and they basically later were, but you know they kind of got in trouble because it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Could you even – you could get a front-wheel drive only. when they first came out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Where does it fit uh, – where does the Renegade fit in there? Is that smaller still, or is this Renegade smaller? Yeah, it is smaller. Which is It's kind of compass. odd. Yeah, it's a okay. stretched Renegade chassis. Okay. Yeah, it is, and it's weird because when I looked at it, I kind of thought the Renegade just has those proportions where it looks bigger than the Compass to me, at least. I think the Compass holds its size. I mean, not hmm. that it's a big car, but I think it. It um, it doesn't look as big as it is. Exactly. Huh, really? And, uh, it, I mean, it is. It's a nice-looking package, and uh, it is still front-wheel drive base, but you can go four-wheel drive. It is a 2.4-liter turbo – I'm sorry, 2.4-liter Tiger Shark only, 
it's a global car, so it has a lot of different variants everywhere. And Garrick has done the research. So he actually probably has more of an idea of what's available overseas. But here you only get that 2.4 liter six-speed manual, which is pretty cool. Um, but you don't you won't get that in the Trailhawk six-speed auto or nine-speed auto. So it's right. the same engine here that the Renegade has, correct? And so that which probably is, means it's going to be a little bit slower. It is. It's really anemic off the line. It's kind of loud, um, but. They're going for efficiency here, and it's pretty efficient. Um, I think the front-wheel drive version with the manual gets 26 combined, and then it'll drop down to just 25 if you go 4x4 four four, four four with a 9-speed automatic. Jeep's uh, killing it right now. They'll probably sell a bunch yeah, of them. They will. Absolutely, yeah. I We're think just talking about success. how they always show up in the bottom of those uh, reliability studies, but, man, Jeep is just selling everything they can put out it's, there right It now. is Chrysler right now, mm-hmm. you know, Chrysler, Fiat, Chrysler in this country. Yeah, those renegades come in through Baltimore, and I always see them. I mean, mm-hmm. just trucks full of them getting hauled out. And they're going to build this thing in what, Garrett, four plants? Four around, plants around the world. We're going to get ours from Mexico. Correct. Yeah. Right. And, um, and Greg's right. You know, it's, it's a global car. It's 17 different powertrains. 17, 17 different powertrains. Mm-hmm. And they're targeting 100 markets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it, it's a big deal for them. It really yeah. is. Another vehicle, we've been talking a lot about um, SUVs or crossovers or whatever you want to call utilities. Uh, we, Garrick, you just recently came back from a vehicle that's already stirred up quite a bit of controversy. Mm-hmm. It's the new Kia Nero, yes. which is Kia's first dedicated hybrid platform, i.e. it's got it's like the Prius. It's designed from the ground up to be a hybrid. Right. Now, they're going to do more than one version of it. They're going to do a hybrid and a plug-in hybrid? Or? Plug-in hybrid is coming. Yeah. Right now, it's, it's, it's just the hybrid. But they didn't say anything about doing a pure electric, right? Not yet. Okay. So the controversy that is surrounding it, I, I should save this for our next segment. We're, we're going to talk about this in our but lightning round. Nice. But I always <laughs> looked as the Nero thinking it's a hatchback, but that's not what they said, right? No. They um, refer to it as, as, as a crossover. Why? Why do you think – why did they do that? Just because crossovers it's are popular? Come on, why? <laughs> what did um, they tell you? Well, <laughs> well, they did a lot of research, and, and they, they – they <laughs> And it came up that crossovers so sell and hatchbacks don't. They put it into so, a computer and it came out crossover. They're fitting it in between uh, the electric and hybrid cars and the CUVs. So it's kind of in a niche there. Within their lineup, it's between the Soul and the Sportage. Now, the Soul has a long history of being called an urban right. utility. Right. And that's, and that's the, what they're calling this right, as well. Right. That's what they refer to this Even as Even well. though it doesn't have any all-wheel drive. No. But right. th- that was a consideration for space. That that did come up during the presentation, and, uh-huh. and it was a, a, a space-saving. So what did you think of the vehicle? I mean, it's kind of like, what is it? Where does it fit? Give us your impressions on driving, especially since it, and the hybrid version is is really uh, almost has its mar- the market to itself in a way. Right. Well, I liked driving it. Um, you sit up higher um, and noticeably, which I think is going to be a big selling and that's point. That's a utility for it. thing. Correct. Um, ground clearance. It's about half an inch higher than the sport. I mean the the sole, but about half an inch lower than the Sportage all-wheel drive. So it, it can take less potholes. Correct. Correct. Um, the the engine and the, the motor, it was seamless when they were going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, transmissions, uh, six-speed dual clutch, 
very smooth. So it's got a real transmission in it. Mm-hmm. I like okay. that. Right. That's good. Right. Does uh, uh, Toyota make the Prius V, which is essentially what this yeah, vehicle is? Yeah, it still is? does. Yeah. yeah. It is basically a Prius V okay. competitor. Yeah, right. that's a good point. Um, I, I liked it. You know, it was it was simple once you got in there to, you know, figure out where everything was and, and you could just go. Um it was nice to drive. It, it was nimble, 139 horsepower combined. Um, I thought was was fine. Um, mileage they're saying up to 50 miles an hour. So that's fully competitive, right? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And you really noticed that in in the city. We drove it uh, in the city and then out in in a more uh, country setting. So you know, mileage in the city is is, is going to be better. But um, I liked it. I, I liked it, and I think the fact that it has room. Um, makes it appealing. With I, I think it, it's, it's good timing for Kia, with the interest in crossovers. Yeah. So that that appeals hot, appeals hot to that. Again. And then with the high mileage, depending on how cynical you are about gas prices staying around two fifteen a gallon, um, you know this this could be very very appealing. I don't know so. anybody that owns a Prius that's that's unhappy. You know, uh, they all love their gas mileage. When you looked at it, mm-hmm. when you saw it in person, I've seen it at the auto shows, obviously. Right. Did when you're standing at street level with it, mm-hmm. and that's where the difference makes. Did you feel that it looked like a utility more than, say, a hatchback? Was there anything there? If you walked up to it and you put yourself in somebody who mm-hmm. had never seen it before, what do you think they'd think it looked like? I, I, I would say more of a utility because mm-hmm. of the, the the fenders, the. Um, uh, the, the roof racks, the the design of the lighting, it has a little bit more of, a, of an aggressive mm-hmm. look. Um, the not being all-wheel drive um, is, is is a point that some of the people I was listening to brought up as far as is it a crossover or, or, or not. That that gets us right into what we were going to talk about Great today transition, uh, on you. our lightning round. That's a perfect transition. <laughs> lightning round. What makes – right now, let's face it. If you call yourself a car, you're not going to sell very many. Mm-hmm. If you call yourself a utility you're probably or a crossover, you're probably going to do okay. Right. Uh, the Soul was the first one I can think of that, that played that game, although, as Brian mentioned, the uh, uh, the Prius V basically does the same, although I don't know if they've ever called it a utility. No, they called it for what it is, a four-wheel drive wagon hatchback. Yeah. yeah. So the question I've got is, what is a utility anymore? Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, has it gotten so that no matter what they call it, if it doesn't look like a, a swoopy car, it's okay? Or what, in your mind, is a utility? I'm old-fashioned. To me, it basically has to have some kind of an all-wheel drive system available. Or at least ground clearance. Or at least ground clearance to go over something, you know, uh, other than a pothole. But I leave it to you. What do you guys think is a crossover or utility anymore? When I hear the word, I also associate that ruggedness to it. I feel like it, it should have some sort of ground clearance. Um, but if I really boil it down to the word utility and I think about it, I mean, it's got to be able to do a lot of different things. It's got to be versatile. Um, so, yeah, I would say to me it's got to have – it's got to sit noticeably higher than a, a car, a sedan. Um, it has to have a hatch. should have some all-wheel drive system. I agree with you on that. And um, noticeably more cargo than a, a hatchback car. I mean, in other words, being a bit squarish. Mm-hmm, right. I think we're one of the few people that still differ, differentiate crossovers from SUVs. I mean, almost mm-hmm. everyone has uh, given considers, up. Yeah, a front-wheel drive-based 
SUV-ish looking vehicle, they'll call it an SUV, even though it's a crossover. So, you know, we just keep diluting it, you know, further and further down the line. Yeah, I know. You know, we we do. I tend to use the word, which is a cop out, utility, because it is getting so terribly confusing. Benny, any comments? Everything that Greg said, and um, hmm. I really didn't think about it till um, Garrick said it. But roof racks. I mean, if the thing doesn't have roof racks, I wouldn't consider it a utility. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you could put roof racks on any definition. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes, it, but instance, they're at least they're designed I, in. You could put roof racks on the Optima, you know, on a Camaro. Again. I guess you could, but all right, I think it comes with racks. I hear utilities. I That's think of a guy life. putting a mountain bike in the back of it, so it's got to have some kind of level of easy cleaning ability and stuff like that. The first thing Garrett said mm-hmm. was, "You sit high in it," and I mm-hmm. think to the public, to the average person sure. getting in it, that's a key thing. Sure it is. Well, so are minivans. Sit high minivans. Are they? What are they? They hate minivans. Right. Let's just start calling them crossovers too. Well, I'm surprised somebody has it. Let's call them honest. family utility vehicles. If, you know, <laughs> if if they came out with another uh, minivan that had all wheel drive, if Toyota updates it, they maybe they will call it a crossover. All right, I had right. to be the bell guy. Today. That's good. Patrick's out buying Patrick's kombucha. Out, uh, doing whatever. <laughs> Actually, is he gone? No, he's here. Oh, Patrick is. Lucas, our producer, has he's not back. vacated us this afternoon. Um, any rant and raves that anybody has uh, got on their minds about something? I think that, we just got over one. Yeah, all right. <laughs> no. We do have a viewer question. Uh, John asks, and it's not me. <laughs> are there any vehicles? It might be me. Are there any vehicles out there that still offer a split bench style type of front seat and don't have a center console? I'm a tall guy, and I can't get comfortable in many vehicles. All right, I, I did some research. The last car that you could buy new with a bench seat in this country was a 2013 Chevrolet Impala. And now you're down to pickup trucks and big SUVs like Tahoes and Suburbans. Why do you think bench seats went away? Safety. Explain that. Well, everything's based around the airbags and the belt, Mm -hmm. and they need you to be locked in one position to be as safe as possible. Uh, You know, if you're in a bench and you're not sitting exactly the right spot your airbags aren't going to work the way they should and um, frankly pretty hard to put an airbag in the middle of a car too yeah i mean we're noticing that more and more they want you to be locked in one particular position the uh fortunately you can still john get them in a variety of pickup trucks and you don't have to spend the seventy thousand bucks that a lot of the pickup trucks we get into test are Uh, but that or a Suburban, or else go buy yourself a 2013 Chevrolet Impala. It's probably not very expensive, yeah, and I imagine you find plenty of Probably get a good deal on it. <laughs> Hope that answers your question. And that brings us to a close for our Motor Week podcast, uh-huh. number 158. Ouch. Thanks, everybody here that participated today. It was a good show. Brian Robinson, mm-hmm. Ben Davis, Greg Carlos, and Zarek Zykin. Zarek Zarek Top is what we call it. Zarek Top. I think I just got a little cooler. I have been calling Garrett by I've been mispronouncing his name since the day he walked in the front door just call him G no I got you know I didn't do too bad today our audio engineer Jim Bigwood who always makes us sound great and our podcast creator Bob Mixter 
Our producer, as I mentioned, Patrick Lucas, and our podcast video editor, uh, even though this was not a video show, Joe Ligo. We should have had that on the last one, Joe. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of us. Remember, you can always catch Motor Week on public television stations around the country and on the cable network Velocity. Till next time, I'm John Davis. For all of us at Motor Week, thanks for being a part of the Motor Week experience. Eric Eichen. You've been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.